It's another episode of the Wrestling Connection podcast, everybody, and you are listening to it right now. Episode number 24. Thinking back to WrestleMania 24, I think it's one of my favourite WrestleManias of all time, and I hope that this episode here is one of your favourite podcasts of all time. Hello again, everybody. My name is Chris. I am joined by my good, close, personal friend, Glenn. What are your memories of WrestleMania 24, my dear friend? I'm sorry, man. I love you. Whoa, whoa, don't kick me in the face. God. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that. It's I always have a soft spot for Finlay and JBL in the opening match. I'm not trying to be I, was... I love the main event. I love HPK and Flair. I love uh, I love Batista and Umaga. But yeah. I love that opening match. Just think it's a fun opener, you know? You know? Yeah. And Batista's opponent tonight the Samoan bulldozer. You manga! You manga. <laughs> and and a great money in the bank ladder match. Yeah, they're great, and I love the Matt Hardy running. We've talked about that, uh, and I love the triple threat for the uh, for the Me WWE too. Championship, and I love the result, like Orton winning. That was that was a ballsy move, yeah. I think, for two thousand eight. It was you know? it was shocker. It was a shocker, absolutely. Yeah, I love the fact that Edge and Taker is on the, is on last because it's like the main event. You know, it's like didn't matter the fact it was a SmackDown title. It was yeah. going to be the better match, and of course because the face was winning. But never mind. Yeah. But um, yeah. WrestleMania 24, uh, what, what did you say it was, what the tagline was, the biggest party under the sun or something, no, biggest the, WrestleMania under the sun? The biggest, yeah, the biggest, so this is the biggest podcast under the sun, but it really isn't, but we're going to say no. that it is, you know. Because it's it just took the bins out and it's freezing outside, so we're going to just go with that. Aye. Um, <laughs> I, I remember there's an opening line JR says, it's like, we wish you were here under the Florida skies, and I remember when I went to Florida in 2018, I wanted to make sure I got a good picture, so I could put it on Instagram, because I wanted to make that the caption. Like, I was thinking about that the whole time. Yeah. I wanted to make the caption on Instagram, we wish you were here under the Florida skies. So, just because wrestling controls me. So, that was on my mind. Nice one. That was on my mind. How are you? How are you feeling any better from last week? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sipping some warm fluids right now. Uh, I've, yeah, I'm, I'm doing better, but I'm not 100%. I'll give you that. But thankfully, thankfully, uh, no symptoms of any deadly virus. So, I am thankful, my good friend, for that. How are you this week? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. It's uh, I'm not feeling as down as you were last week. I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable um, because we are coming into the sort of fall, autumn sort of time. Yeah. And as wrestling fans, naturally, we think about the fall slash autumn pay-per-views. And straight to, you know, in my head, I go straight to Unforgiven, No Mercy, things yeah. like that. Do you have any off-the-top-of-your-head memories of watching wrestling post-summer? Yeah, well, the one that I always come to is No Mercy 2002, because um, we, we spoke about this quite a lot with in, in various bits and bobs in our past episodes. Like, uh, No Mercy 02 was one of those ones that I had on DVD, so I watched endlessly as a kid, like endlessly. Uh, so I always think of the amazing No Mercy theme, which I've spoken about before, <laughs> for that No, no Mercy watching uh i love the advert for it with pete rose which was filmed at the actual oh, house, yeah. the cycle house at universal studios um and i love like the ridiculousness of katie vick as as un, you know as, as frowned upon as it is you know there's something yeah. about the whole thing um and i love uh the, the hell in the cell that closed the show i love i think it's one of the best hell in the cells of all time and it's uh, the first that didn't have a big over the top bump, you know what I mean? But it's brilliant. yeah, it's violent, so uh, violent, yeah, yeah. And and I think that's how they compensate and get around it is that it was a perfect kind of uh, milestone in the saga of Brock Lesnar versus the Undertaker. And of course, after yeah. that, they they would drift off and do separate things and wouldn't cross paths again for a very long time. Yeah, what about yeah. you? You twenty fifteen. Yeah, do you think about any particular pay per views for this time? You know, not really, actually. But I think this is my least favorite time in wrestling. See, right after SummerSlam, I always um, feel like there's a bit of a lull. Like I can think of 2013 and 14, that sort of time where it's like Daniel Bryan Central, mm. CM Punk Central, or whatever. And then it just goes to like that sort of battleground pay per view or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it always felt as if it was a wee bit pushed. Like uh, then they, they moved Nate of Champions from the summer till September just to kind of spice up a little bit. But Nate Champions never really was my thing. No, I don't know. There's just something about around this sort of time of year that I don't get as invested as I do as I do for summer or around WrestleMania sort of time. And I just I just love watching wrestling when it's nice and sunny. See, between April and August, mm. that's my favorite period to watch wrestling, just because it's like 
the, the morale is high and the vibe is good and we can just watch wrestling and chill out. And then if you get too much, you can go outside and take a wee walk in the sun. Uh, but yeah, that was a wee random thought that came into my head there. And let's do another edition of Random Wrestler Recollection. Yes. Okay, what random wrestler are we going to pull out today of the random box? Glenn and I have no idea who we're about to talk about and we have to do it off the top of our heads. Are you ready? It is... Rikishi! One of our favourites. <laughs> so, first and foremost, go back to episode whenever it was. You can tell me, Chris. I don't remember. I can't uh, remember. Uh, episode first... two or something. Yeah, like one of the yeah, early ones. An early episode that we did, folks, where I talked about meeting Rikishi. And I'm not going to go into that again because it's... Uh, it is, you know, a story I've already told. I met Rikishi when I was twelve at the in an airport, opportunistically, uh, and it was amazing. And uh, go back and find that episode; it's uh, it's awesome. Um, for me, like with Rikishi, he was always one of those characters that I loved. You know, like because he's so memorable, and he was just kind of like he adopted that character, right place, right time. I loved how when like a big guy like Lesnar would give him a clothesline, he could flip oh, yeah. around and like the way he could flip, like do you know, what, do you think that was incredible? The way he would like yeah spin about in the air. Uh, I think horrendously underrated in terms of what he could do for a man his size. Um, and people really, really crap on his heel turn, uh, which I think <laughs> is unfair because you know we got some great moments out of it, and uh, it's not my favorite era of Rikishi's career but man I kind of wish that there had just been a little bit more you know do you know what I mean I'm not saying he should ever have been world champion but if yeah. you do get the sense that like they turned him heel maybe a bit too soon and they could have done more as a face I don't know I just well, kind of they, they turn them back face like very soon afterwards don't they because it comes yeah. out and gives a stink face to Vince McMahon in like December of that same year or, or the next year you know in 2001 that's right that's right I do feel like in terms of his WWE run that maybe there could have been something extra. And again, I'm not seeing a world title run, but another big memorable angle or something. But he gave us that moment with William Regal at Judgment Day. And <laughs> that is yes, what he did. I will always be thankful for. What about you? What's your kind of <laughs> lasting Rikishi memories? One of my boys by far. I love Rikishi. Um, always just thought he was so awesome. And yes, when he did that bump when he'd get clotheslined, the Rikishi bump. Just very, just so impressive. Such, um, he was so over for such a big guy with such a strange gimmick, a big Samoan that would dance, you know? Yeah. Um, just crazy, but just such, seems such a nice guy, so much passion, so athletic, looked different, you know, just definitely stood out from the crowd. Um, I remember when they used to, when they were doing in 2012, they were doing Heath Slater versus the Legends, remember? Yeah. Like going up to like Raw 1000, and it would be like Psycho Sid, Don't the Clown, all that stuff. One time it was Rikishi, and I went mental. I was so happy. Yeah, couldn't believe Rikishi was there. And every time he yeah, comes out with the Usos and stuff, yeah, it's already gone. I was just saying like that. You know, he's he's done a few appearances now. He seems to be kind of back in quite comfortably with the WWE family. But in yeah. 2012, when he showed up for that Heath Slater, he had not been on WWE TV since 2004. Uh, and that yeah. was a big deal, like you know. So that was awesome to see. I was popping for that, uh, and I think we've we've really stated quite profoundly our love for Rikishi on the show. I mean, I talked about my meeting with him in the airport. I've talked about the fake Rikishi that I encountered. Uh, oh yes, I forgot about at, fake Rikishi at Mogai Town Hall, a WWE tribute show, uh, <laughs> and we've talked about his classic soulful ballad. Put a little ass on it on the WWE yes. original CD. This world is crazy. Don't let go. I put a little ass on it. Watching, uh, my friend Robert loves that song, there, you know, and he loves Rikishi. And in fact, Rikishi, to his credit, did a cameo video for my friend Robert's 30th birthday last year. Um, that's sweet. Um, where he got his surname wrong, but that's fine, you know, he's 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 a busy guy. Uh, so I like Rikishi. Listen, I've got a lot of time for him. The guys, the guys Chavo, are his Jews. Chavo Guerrero got the name of a fucking podcast wrong, so we'll let him away with it. Um, the thing about Rikishi's <laughs> then wrestling connection, the thing about Rikishi's heel turn in 2000, right? Another thing that let, about wrestling fans that let me down, oh, WWE are only pushing Rock and Austin and Triple H, give us some new stars. Okay, here's Rikishi, super over, you know, bit of a heel run to go against Austin stuff, but we'll turn him again face, but he, here he is, a main eventer. Nah, mm. don't like it, rubbish, F failed we're not even going to acknowledge it anymore. I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm not even going to give it a chance. Nah, sorry. Drives me nuts. 
Yeah, I think his <laughs> run was fine. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think I think maybe they shouldn't have bothered trying to put him with Haku. I think that was a bit of a dud because exactly. do you remember when ha- Haku came out in the 2001 Rumble and the reaction was like crickets? Yes. It no so who he was because he was literally just on a WCW pay per view earlier that month in the hardcore triple threat, and like they knew who he was. He was like Meng or whoever he was in WCW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like he'd been Haku in the WWF only like what seven years beforehand if you think like for us now seven years ago was 2013 so we remember pretty much everything that happened then but the ch- yeah. changed so much since he'd been Haku in the 90s uh and god it was so it was like that music of the <laughs> and then it, like nobody reacted and GR was just going it's Haku back in the WWF apparently <laughs> It's Haku! <laughs> Trying to make oh, it feel like a big deal. I know. Like, I know. I felt bad for him, but I, listen, I had no interest in seeing him, so there you go. Yeah. The weird thing is that he was under contract with them for much longer after that because he seemed to stop. It was around about the invasion that he stopped appearing. In the early yeah. days of the invasion, you would see him backstage with all the WWF guys, like in yes. the ACA's, um, like kind of cigarette smoking, kind of uh, poker room, you know, that they had. Room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you would see him about. And I remember I pictures of him in WWF magazine at like charitable events around that time. See, he was under contract, I think, until 2002, but he was not used after, really, after the summer of 01 at all. Maybe he was on heat all the time. I don't know, but he was he was oh, not very a prominent a prominent figure. No, but listen, all the best to him. Heard he's an ex- extremely tough guy. You wouldn't really want to pick a fight with him. Yeah, not that I'd want to pick a fight with any wrestler. But yeah, yeah you, if I'm you're sure. if you're listening, we actually think you were the greatest wrestler of all time, <laughs> and that you should have won the Royal Rumble that year. And, Please, uh, in 2001, I, you could have eliminated Kane with this frizzy hair and Austin with all this. <laughs> I blood. love frizzy hair, Kane. Why is there not an action figure of frizzy hair at the end of the Royal Rumble, Kane? You know what I mean? That, that should exist. Like a wee troll figure. You know the wee trolls that you used to get in the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> get a Kane like that. You know, a frizzy Kane. It was. It was somewhere. Ah, well, there you go. Listen, if Haku wants to come on and do a cameo intro for us, then we're more than happy for him to do so. So there you go. I'm scared they might find out where I live, so... (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. Um, Do you want me to recommend you a wee match this week to watch if you're feeling a bit glum? Yes, I I do. I mean, I'm not glum anymore, but, you know, I just, I do think that... Oh, no, I just mean in general, if anybody out there is feeling down, or or you yourself, you know? Yeah, this is it, this is it. Like, we spoke a lot about this last week. Wrestling is sometimes, like, the best medicine when you're down. I think it's for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes you just want a simple narrative to tune out to. Other times you want to feel a connection with a character you love. Because I spoke about Bailey last week, and, like, that... You know, that's something you have to think about to form a connection with a character. So whether you want to have a very involved relationship with the wrestling that you watch or a very detached relationship, wrestling is a good medicine when you feel a bit glum. So Chris is right. So uh, why don't you cue the jingle and uh, we'll hear what you have to say. I'll not just cue it. I'll play it. Wrestling. Recommendations. Wrestling. Recommendations. Wrestling. Recommendations. Match of the week. Oh yeah! You know how in the longest yard? Have you seen the longest yard? That I went to see Goldberg it. and Austin and that. Yeah, I went to see the longest yard when I was fourteen on the first ever date that I went on with a girl. Really? Yeah, dude. That's I'm a great sorry. Story. I know we started the segment. Can I tell you a story? Oh, please not. I hear it. Go on. Right, so, folks, dear listener, you'll if you know wrestling, you'll know the film, the Adam Sandler film, The Longest Yard, came out in two thousand five, uh, and it Great had film. Austin Goldberg, Kevin Nash is in it, I'm pretty sure. Kevin Nash, he plays the guy and, that always uh, cries, and uh, the Great Khali before he was ever in the WWE. Yep. Um, so uh, that summer, I had signed up for this summer school thing uh, called Summer at Strathclyde. So we have a, a university, Strathclyde University uh, in Glasgow. Uh, and it was basically a program ran by, like, I think students of Strathclyde. I don't know if they were, like, education students, like, who were teacher training or not, Uh, and basically a bunch of, like, third years going into fourth years would go there for the summer. You'd go for two weeks, and it would be, like, like team building activities and stuff that's all it was and then at the end of the whole thing you had a graduation and your teams would battle off in like a 
like a sports day kind of Highland Games sort of tournament thing. It was a lot of fun. It was very wholesome. It was just kind of, it was for kids like me at that time who weren't really given it their all in school and who kind of needed a bit of motivation. Uh, right. An awesome program. So basically, I met this girl when I was there, and like, I, I cannot stress this enough. I was not a cool, suave kind of guy as a teenager. <laughs> I was a loser. I was shy, and I still retain a lot of those qualities to this day. Uh, but there was a girl that I got talking to, and we exchanged phone numbers. And the big thing at that time, Chris, was MSN uh, Messenger, Instant Messenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we exchanged I knew MSN, MSN. Yeah. MSN Addies. Did you, child? I don't didn't think you did because you were always, you know, talking about how old I am. Uh, <laughs> no, listen, I, I'm not that young. I still experienced MSN. I did go up to someone once and go gonna give your addy aye so uh, we exchanged addies right <laughs> and it was so flipping like naive and teenage right it was so like embarrassingly 14 year old that like so we exchanged addies and like before this date which was maybe about two three weeks two or three weeks later we were all day going i can't wait to see you i love you so much you know we were doing that you yeah, know yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah yeah it's cringy to think about now but that's kind of like what you do like as a teen especially in my position where you're, you you can't so much as look at a girl without blushing you know <laughs> uh so we decided we're going to go to the cinemas but because it was a, like a first date we she was going to bring a couple of her friends and i was gonna bring one of my friends but the idea was what we'd meet up and then maybe we get some time together or something i don't know like and by the way that never happened anyway <laughs> uh, so uh me and a friend went into town and her she she and her a couple of her pals who were at the summer school came into town and we met we went to the old odeon in town in glasgow city center which um the building is still there it was the old odeon theater in glasgow where the beatles played the, a couple of concerts actually what it's, it's not it's still the building is there but it's not used for anything i don't think anymore do you know the building i'm talking about in glasgow no where is that uh you're asking me to do geography see if we were in town together i could take you there and show you it but i couldn't right. tell okay. you i couldn't tell you the street or anything if there if there's glaswegian listeners for this they'll know what i'm talking about so we went there bought our tickets uh we met we actually met in hmv argyle street where i would eventually about a year later meet john cena <laughs> you know um, <laughs> and then uh, to a sip of water and we um, uh, went to see The Longest Yard. And the cinemas was great because the moment I saw her again in HMV, I was terrified. I could barely look at her. <laughs> you know, I couldn't talk to her. I was so yeah. scared. So we, but you'd done all this get, texting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We could not get to the cinemas quicker, quick enough. We could not do it faster. Uh, it's just so we could sit in the dark and not have to look at each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then so we got there. And uh, I don't, it must have been me that picked the longest yard because I must have known that all these wrestlers were in it. So we got there, right? And the thing <laughs> is, it was a lot of teenagers in the theater, and there was a few wee heckler, wee jakey kind of guys there, right? Um, and uh, you must have experienced this. There was a point in wrestling fandom when you're a teenager where it's apparently not cool to be a wrestling fan anymore. So you kind of have yeah. to be secretive and you can't admit that you know it. So like a row in front of us there were a couple of lads who like were just talking for the whole thing just being wee numpties and if it was me as an adult i would totally lay into them and tell them to get out but teenage glenn of course could never do such a thing especially in front of this girl that i'm terrified of yeah. uh, and so um like these guys are chatting and it became through their heckling it became obvious to me that one of the boys knew who all the wrestlers were at least one but this one who was vocal but didn't want to admit that he knew who they were because that isn't cool right. you know what i mean yeah uh so it got there was a bit where goldberg first shows up in it right and so he he, he said well, i can't I, I only ever saw the film that once in the cinemas so i can't remember even what's happening when goldberg shows up for the first time but i just remember it was goldberg's goldberg's on screen for the first time and he's got some kind of dialogue with somebody and this wee guy in front of him in front of us just goes and, and this is after him kind of dropping hints that he knows who austin is and stuff and he goes that's that mad guy on top of his voice right <laughs> when goldberg's on screen and then right. uh, his pal next to him goes what mad guy what are you talking about it's like ah you know uh, that goldberg guy and then another wee jakey in the crowd goes oh i can't believe you remembered that and we all start laughing at him and i'm thinking well if you've acknowledged that there's something to remember then clearly you remember him too 
So your logic has <laughs> fallen apart. Just admit it. You all love wrestling. You all love Goldberg. And you were all gutted when he didn't win the Elimination Chamber two years ago. Um, <laughs> but no, we didn't. You know, they, they, that's just that teenage logic of just one-upmanship, isn't it? Uh, and you know, after that, uh, after the date, after the film ended, it was a very quick goodbye. And I never heard from her again. <laughs> I'd like to blame Adam Sandler for that failed relationship. Uh, there you go. She took me to see this stupid movie. <laughs> With that uh, mad guy. Oh, the wee guy's probably sitting going, oh, Goldberg's in next? <laughs> Goldberg's in this? Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love The Longest Yard. I think The Longest Yard's great. The reason I brought it up is because I just, I mean, it's, it's so irrelevant now that you told that story. But yeah. I was, because I said, I'm not going to queue up the jingle, I'll play it. Because in the moment where Austin tries to get the great Kali to come and play football, he's playing like ping pong and stuff. And he says, oh, if you get it, you can play against the guards. And Kali goes, I'll play. And every time I go to like play football or something with my mates and I have to put in the chat that I'm playing, I always type, I'll play. I'll play. Like Kali. Yeah. Anyway, that was, your story was far better than mine. Sorry, I just hijacked your segment. Do you need to play the jingle again? I don't know. <laughs> we're, in, we're in it, we're in it, we're in it. I went to see the film Valentine's Day on Valentine's Day on a first date, trying to build romantic. Yeah. Again, never spoke to me again. Oh, well, there you go. It's a curse, I tell you. It's a curse. Don't go to the cinema on your first date. No. Go on maybe date number four or something. Right. Yeah. Match of the week time, ladies and gents. Remember that jingle that played an hour ago? Yeah. Uh, this is. <laughs> no, I love that. That's a good story. Uh, this is uh, my match of the week for this week, and it is from the one and only pay per view that happened in 2010, and it only happened once. It was called WWE Fatal Four Way. Oh, that yeah. Was the name of the pay per view. Now, I want you to guess what the match is that I'm going to recommend because it was the opening match of Fatal Four Way 2010 without looking up or without any help. If you can try and think about the time. And who would be in the opener uh-huh. okay. of Fatal 4-Way 2010? Right, I'm not going to lie. First of all, I, I had it in my head that there were two Fatal 4-Way pay-per-views that they happened one year after the other, but you're saying only happened once. Yeah, yeah only I, in 2010. I, I genuinely don't remember much about the card at all. I remember that it lived up to the gimmick and there were Fatal 4-Way matches. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was Fatal 4 Yeah, but the only way I have a hope in hell of doing this somewhat successfully without cheating You'll need to tell me what month of 2010 it was. Okay. It was um, June of 2010. Oh, man. Um, who, any two, two random wrestlers. Two, two random wrestlers that would open a, a pay-per-view in 2010. Uh, okay. I'm going to go... This is a total stab in the dark, but I'm going to go with Evan Bourne versus Kofi Kingston. Oh, hit the post. Hit the post. Evan Bourne is on the show. He wrestles Chris Jericho in probably Evan Bourne's best WWE match. Right, okay. But Kofi Kingston is indeed in this opening match. Well done. Hit the post. Yeah. Not bad. Kofi Kingston versus the one and only Drew McIntyre. The chosen one. I'm going to kill you. So the show starts with Vince McMahon coming out and announces that Bret Hart has been attacked by the Nexus. So... We're going to have to move on with the pay-per-view with high spirits and just forget about Bret Hart. It's fine. Out comes Drew McIntyre, the chosen one, shakes Wait. Vince's hand on the... On the oh, yeah, go on. Can I ask, did, did, did Vince say, I have no sympathy for Bret? Bret attacked Bret. That was a I terrible so. joke. That was a terrible I think joke. He said, I think he said, the Nexus screwed Bret, and now, in a couple of months, we're going to screw the Nexus. Uh, so, yeah. So then Drew comes out and he gets on the microphone and you know the way Drew cuts promos these days? Yeah. And he's like, Welcome everybody to Raw. I'm from Air Scotland and <laughs> it's about time we were going to go to Claymore country. <laughs> and he has like this weird accent, right? Yeah, you can tell the man's lived in the States for a while now. He went, he went to speech therapy and stuff and I totally understand that. Look, it done wonders for him. Now he can talk, you know, he can do these promos and he can talk Proof. to anybody he wants. Proof is in the pudding. And the guy's a massive star now, you know? Exactly, exactly. I'm sitting here slagging it, but it's, it's great. But what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is the difference 10 years can make in his accent. His promo, he gets on the mic and he's like, Teddy Long! Teddy Long, get out here now! And Teddy Long comes out and, he, and Drew is just shouting in, Drew, in Teddy's face. And makes Teddy Long sit and watch this match with Kofi Kingston. It's for the Intercontinental title. And uh, Kofi's the champion. And Drew says, 
Teddy Long, I want you to sit there and watch me become man, a continental champion. <laughs> I, I understood what he was saying, but no one else did. So they have this match, and like I just thought it was going to be like a gimmick kind of SmackDown sort of match around 2010. This match is so great, and I can obviously, the Fatal 4-Way pay-per-view is a bit obscure anyway, but I, I, I knew you had no idea what this was going to be, because I had no idea what this was going to be, yeah. and I, I had no idea what match opened or what the other match, I didn't even know the members of the Fatal 4-Way matches on the show. Yeah. It's that obscure. And I'd never actually watched this show in full, because in 2010, in June of 2010, I was going on a school trip to London, and uh, the... The, they were leaving on the Monday, which was right after the day after Fatal Four Way, which always drove me nuts in school. If I had something yeah. on the next day, I just I just want to watch the wrestling, right? Is what I would say to the teachers. Um, but no, we had to we had to be there at the school at seven a.m. or something like bright and early. So I woke up at five, came downstairs, watched a bit of Fatal Four Way, fast forwarded through it, um, whilst I was having my my, my breakfast. Or whatever. I guess it was on Sky Sports, so I didn't need to pay for it. Mm. Um, that pay per view. So I was I was watching Fatal Four Way twenty ten. And didn't get to finish the whole thing. So since that day, and like, and since that day in 2010, 10 years later, I had never watched the full show. And I knew because I was I was doing this ruthless aggression watch through. And now we're in the sort of PG era sort of thing. Yeah. Um. I knew that I was getting there. And it, it's the same with 2010. I don't have that much of a memory with 2010. Before we recorded this podcast, actually, I was eating my dinner and I was watching SummerSlam 2010. Like another pay per view that I don't remember at all, other than the main event. Mm. Um. So I was watching that, and then so watching the full four way pay per view was really really good for me. Because uh, I had no idea the matches. The only match I remembered was Evan Ball and Chris Jericho because it was on one of Jericho's DVDs. Yeah. Um, it was on the Road is Jericho DVD that came out in 2015. Oh, yeah. There's some random, random knowledge for you. Um, so the match is Drew versus Kofi, and it's just your stereotypical Intercontinental title match, good versus evil, 16 minutes is on for. Yeah. And let me tell you, the crowd go absolutely banana for this match. And it's so cool to see. It's like everybody's behind Kofi. Everybody's booing Drew. The commentators are putting it over as good versus evil. Drew is, is you know, is beating up Kingston. Then Kingston gets some offense. They're both selling. The referee gets taken out. I believe it's Charles that's the ref. Yeah. Teddy Long jumps in the ring. And uh, and, and Drew takes off Charles's t-shirt, like his, his ref shirt. Gives it to Teddy. And goes, you better count my three, Teddy Long. <laughs> And he hits, he hits Kofi with the, the Broken Dreams, so whatever it is, the Scott drop. And by the way, that theme song, oh my God, Broken I Dreams, remember Broken Dreams? Like, I love so like good. I love his current theme, don't get me wrong, but... Yeah, me too. I would, Man, I used to love it, I used to love it in the video games as well, I loved the aesthetic of the, the, the video and the Titan Tron. Yeah, great that. They, used to just, they used to just play it just to get heat, because like, yeah. the, the Titan Tron would take so long. So he hits Kofi with a Scott drop, and everybody knows it's over, and, and he, put, he tells Teddy Long to put on the shirt and goes, you used to be a ref! You count the three. So he hooks the leg and Teddy goes for the for the three count and he goes one, two, and Teddy stops and doesn't hit three and the pop was unbelievable. Ah, yes. Teddy Long being the, the face general manager and he, he starts shaking his head and he's like, no Drew, I'm not going to do it for you and the place goes mental. Kofi hits the trouble in paradise and Teddy Long hits the three and Kofi Kingston retains the title. Such a great match, such a good story. The crowd are going mental and it's so good to see these guys early on in their career. Two future world champions and if you told me that at the time, I would have said, well, obviously Drew's going to be a world champion because he's the chosen one. But yeah. I would never have guessed that it would take nine years for Kofi to get it later and ten years for Drew to get it later. The, 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 the way that time works, you know, how far they went in their careers. I couldn't believe how long it took both of them to be champions because they're both so amazing. Yeah, it's so just crazy. Such, such a fun match, you know. I, I totally recommend it. It's funny because I don't think any like as as much as like there were high hopes for Drew as the chosen one. I don't know how many of us realistically would have looked at that pay per view and think that ten years later both of them had won the WWE title at WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Like mental that, that would have happened, and it's just uh, it's just awesome that both those guys have had those highs. Um, and uh, I kind of hope that Drew has multiple title reigns. I hope that the, the his pandemic reign will not go down in history as his only one. Uh, yeah. you, you want Drew to have the experience in front of an audience, you know, which Kofi got to have. Um, yeah. And as much as like I would love to see Kofi have his moment, it kind of feels like in terms of New Day members that the mem- the momentum is all behind Big E, and you just wonder if that's going to be like a slow burner if they're going to kind of let yeah. that kind of slowly sizzle and become. I something. hope so. I like Big you know, E. 
he certainly deserves it. Like he's the guy's awesome, and it's great that he has all this ability for great comedy. But you know, I'm thinking of Biggie Langston in NXT and Five and all this, and Five I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I can, like, I can be the serious monster heel, which we've never seen in WWE. I mean, I know he, when he first came in. Uh, like with yeah, even that was really bland. I thought when he was like the yeah. IC champion stuff, like had nothing to do. You know, this is it. So he's not really had a memorable singles run on the main roster. So it would be good to see uh, him getting something like that. And like as much as it would be great to see him have a world title reign of some sort, like even if he was just to become the US champion or the Intercontinental champion, like do yeah. something on his own. And I'm I'm saying this now, Chris. And I don't know how popular this is going to be, but I think the New Day needs to call it quits. I think we, I think we've had five great years of the New Day, and I'm yep. not saying they have to have a big kind of Shield esque implosion. They could have a mutual let's all part ways. I say put one on NXT, put one on Raw, put one on SmackDown, separate them. You know, nice shout, yeah. You know, and I, um, I think I would say put Kofi on NXT. Uh, and, oh, interesting. Uh, I like that. Uh, and keep the other two in the main roster because the, the other two have done their time in NXT and could really, you know, Kofi's done just about all there is to do in the main roster now. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think in NXT, he could have a really interesting change in character, whereas the other two separate them out and then and then cash in on the reunion down the line, you know? Yeah. WrestleMania 40, um, John Moxley returns to WWE, do a Shield oh versus New Day reunion, you know what I mean? No, I, d- I don't want Moxley going down to be again. Not after. No, <laughs> no, he's a, he's a new man. Let's keep it the way it is. Um, I think there's a potential for an amazing dynamic of a of a face versus face match with like Kingston versus Big E or something like that. Like think of the dynamic of that match. You know, it yeah. doesn't need to be a, a heel and a face. It can just be the two of them together. People who you know they love them even do a triple threat. But obviously, he e and uh, Kingston are the ones that kind of get more of the spotlight, don't they? And then Woods being on talking smack. Seems to be doing a great job so far. You know, obviously you can't replace Renee and Daniel Bryan, but Woods is doing a great job so far. He's a great yeah. talker, very charismatic, really nice guy, um, great in the ring, you know. So there's no reason why that can happen. And I like your thinking there, by the way. Put Kofi in NXT. It's not the fact that, you know, Kingston needs to do anything else on the main roster. It's just the fact we've seen him in that setting for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, a wee change of aesthetic may be quite good for him, you know. Absolutely, and and you know, save for like the very early days of the new day. Apart from that, we've never really seen a proper heel Kofi, mm-hmm. and I would like to see him have that. I'd like because I think he'd be amazing. I like imagine he went to NXT and became this ultimate villain. I'm thinking pure vicious evil, and you start right. feuding with the likes of. Like uh, meeting the matches with Karrion Cross or Adam Cole or or, or Gargano. The thing is, Gargano, see, yeah. see if you're going to keep Gargano in NXT, he needs some fresh stuff because the problem with Gargano in NXT right now is that he's going to run out of stuff and he's going to get stale. Like, so you need. That's what I, I mean about Kofi. Yeah, because you know, yeah. we've seen we've seen Gargano in NXT for so long. A wee change of aesthetic may be quite good, you know. Absolutely. You heard it here first, folks. If this happens, we'll say, hey, go back to WrestleMania 24. Uh, and Or Wrestling Connection 24, I should say. <laughs> and uh, we, we said it would happen. I, I think that's the best way forward for them. I don't really want... I, I'm not saying we should never see the New Day again, but I think we should have them break up and then when you have the reunion at a WrestleMania or something or in a Royal Rumble when they all happen to be in the ring at the same time, then it's special. Oh, that'd be great. And it's awesome yeah, and yeah, it yeah. makes you feel good. It makes you feel nostalgic for the New Day. But they're going to well, be... They've had a good run, you know? They should really cash it in yeah. there. They're, uh, they're talking about doing a, another draft this year, um, later on in the year. And I, I love the draft all the time, but right now I, just, I don't need a draft. Um, we're still establishing the rosters as they are, I think. Um, especially with the pandemic and stuff. Yeah. But next time we get a draft, let's get some folk to NXT, some big names. Yeah. And let's have a draft. So it's not like, oh, you've been called up. It's like, no, Gargano has to move to SmackDown or Karrion Cross is now on Raw. You know what I mean? Like it's a yeah. it's a big deal, you know? I, like when, when I, Finn Balor got drafted to Raw, it was huge, you know? It was, but equally, I want more main roster guys and girls to yeah. make the jump to NXT. And because when Balor moved to NXT, you know, I, I think some, I think it's quite split in terms of opinion on whether or not that was good for him. But the thing is, he's still earning main roster money and he's on mm-hmm. NXT. And I really hope, Chris, that by the time this podcast comes out, that 
he is the NXT champion. That's what yeah, I want too. to happen. Me like, too, man. And I think that's what that brand needs right now is a huge star at the helm of it because I don't and I I like what he's done in NXT since he went back but I don't think he's been used to his full capacity and I think this would be a good step in the right direction um and just to think that uh, if you think about the kind of guys in the main roster right now who are maybe not doing much who could go to NXT and really do something even people even like I'm trying to think off the top of my head now I've, I've said this as if I know so many oh, so many names but people yeah. like I feel like Apollo Crews should go back because he's been so start and stop this year, I feel yeah, like I think he's he's probably getting some momentum now. But I know what you mean. He's a, he's a good example of someone that could go back easily. You know. Yeah, uh, and I think in terms of the women's division, like like you know maybe when Sonya Deville is ready to come back yeah, or good shout. Uh, Mickey James. Yeah, Mickey James. Like I don't think Mickey James peaked more than when she wrestled Asuka at Takeover. Mickey James. As a legend, and I don't understand why they don't. Why they, they love these things, don't they? They love like, oh, it's the return of Mickey James and stuff. Why don't they treat it like that? I think I, I did a video on CM42 TV recently talking about whatever I was talking about, predictions or something, and I made the prediction on that video, and I'll do it here as well. You know the Mickey James storyline with Trish Stratus, the whole like biggest Who fan, doesn't? stalker, kind of, I know, kind of creepy fan yeah. storyline. Why don't they do that with someone like Liv Morgan or something like that with Mickey James? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Mickey she's James, just, yeah, cause, cause she has this past, doesn't she? That she was uh-huh. a bit psychotic, and now she's like a a legend and a veteran. Someone like Liv Morgan, who posts all these kind of cryptic things on social media, and yeah. they posted those vignettes of her just like sitting in the bath, staring into the camera all creepily and stuff like that. Like she'd be great in that role. Yeah, I not to mention she's she's good in the ring, and people love her. You know, yeah. And you you do you look at somebody like Liv, and you think she's got like those vignettes that she does online. I think of the one of her sitting in the pavement and stuff, like. You think that she must have this untapped creativity? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I also think. Do you know who I'd put straight to NXT? Natalia, and I'll tell you why. Because I feel like Natalia gets a really bad rap because she's maybe not the best actor in the world. Yeah, I, but I, agree. I think I think there's too many voices online saying that she can't wrestle, and I'm like, did you see her matches with Charlotte? You know, back in the day, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Did you see her match with Charlotte in like 2014 on Takeover, where Brett yeah. and Flair was at the ringside? That was one of my favorite NXT matches of all time up to that point. You know, and it probably was watched that again. I loved, I loved the dynamic of Brett and Flair down there too. Like they were trying to one up each other and stuff. Absolutely, and I loved that. It, yeah. it was brilliant, and I just feel like Natalia. It just seems to be like she, she doesn't age. Uh, but at the same Not time, re- realistically, she she must be in her forties now, so she can't have. You know, or maybe not quite. I don't know how old she is, but you know, you, you she's not got unlimited an unlimited career. If you put her to NXT, I feel like she could really again do something special. And I'm not saying she needs to be the women's champion or anything, but uh, I just feel like there's so many people who could use that we shake up. You know what I mean? That that would give them. Yeah, and you can you can imagine like someone in NXT, like one of the, the women's competitors in NXT, like Aaliyah or someone like that. Yeah, I'm just off the top of my head, Aaliyah, and who else is in there? Vanessa Bourne and whoever else. Would would benefit greatly from wrestling Natalia. Yeah, you know, wrestling someone who trained with the hearts. <laughs> you don't yeah. get that very often anymore. You know, no, absolutely not. There's not many people who are graduates of the dungeon still out there wrestling. You know, yeah. Are we so still a meet wrestler or no? No, uh, rec- re- no, it's not meet wrestler. Recommend- well, we've gone from re- recommendations, but listen, I've I've enjoyed this week's chat about NXT. I'm very thankful for it, and I'd like to move on to the thankful <laughs> segment this week. <laughs> what I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Oh yeah, classic, classic, classic. Yeah, I know you, you've cued the jingle already, haven't you? So uh, mm-hmm. we'll we'll get. So it's thankful, right? I, Chris, I, I have. This is something that I've been thankful. For. I've always been thankful for in wrestling, but talking about it now has been inspired by something which transpired at the recent WWE Payback pay per view. All right, Chris Moffat. I am thankful for something which some people hate and roll their eyes at in wrestling, and I have always loved, whether I think it's hilarious, meaningful, impactful, or downright stupid. Chris, I am thankful for the ref bump. Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing this to the table. Let's talk about this. So you'll know by me mentioning Payback that this is, of course, um, inspired by Charles Robinson's graceful... Oh, it was beautiful, wasn't it? <laughs> so good. And the thing is, I, I so folks, like, see when that happened, that payback, uh, Chris and I were texting, and I said to him, I like to think that 
the referees in WWE have this one-upmanship that every time they do the ring <laughs> implosion, as they call it, that they have to outdo each other. Because you think back, was it Kyoto that was in the ring for the first one with Lesnar and Big yeah, Show? Yeah, Kyoto did it first, yeah. So, like, you'd love to think that there's always, like, this way of outdoing each other, and it's going to become, like, the Kofi elimination of the Rumble. I'd love to think, like, <laughs> it just gets so, sorry, it gets so flipping stupid. Um, but then I think of, like, some of my favorite ref bumps of all time, and so one of the first ones that I think of is like the the showcase of the ref bump, which was at Invasion 2001, where uh, <laughs> yes. one of my favorite pay-per-view matches of 2001 was Errol Hebner versus Nick Patrick. And I, I, just, Patrick. Love, I just love everything about it. I love, because I had this on video, <laughs> and I know, I, I, and so I didn't really get much of the build at the time. Uh, but I just love it. Put your own damn shirts where they belong. Put put your own damn shirts in yours. I love the fact that they they put all the referees on in one locker room, and that's how it starts off. And do I just remember, love. Do you remember the entrances? Do you remember the yes, always came out with they, the, had, with the... they had music, <laughs> and I love everything music. about it. I love I love the fact that Earl comes out like that kind of music. And I love him those face. He's like so ready to kick someone's ass. You know what I mean? He's so serious. But then when Nick Patrick comes out, he's the same. And but I love how when both of them are coming out, particularly when Nick Patrick comes out, then the other WCW referees like Charles Robinson, etc., are pure like bigging him up. They're like pointing him, going, "Yeah, this guy, this guy, yeah!" Like he's like Brock Lesnar or something like that. You know? Um, Do you know who was the ref for that match? Mick Foley, friend of, of the show. Of course, our good friend of the show, Mick Foley, who still does cameos, by the way, folks. Get that round, you, <laughs> Vince McMahon. Uh, and uh, I just love, and the match is so stupid, but I love it. And it's so good. You, and we often make this point on this podcast, Chris, when we're talking about matches that people hate on. Say what you want about the match. Who loves it? <laughs> the crowd loves the it. The crowd are oh nuclear God. for it. They are as Exactly, they're as hot for that as they are for the inaugural brawl. And you're going to tell me that the invasion isn't good. Get it round you. The WWE <laughs> would love that reaction now. I'm sorry, but Earl Hebner versus Nick Patrick is 100 times more over than uh, Brock versus Roman at WrestleMania 34 was. It, it was. Because fans were leaving during that match, and that's no disrespect to Roman or Brock, because I'm a fan of both. But those two middle-aged men got a bigger crowd <laughs> reaction in Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> than those guys in New Orleans did. Um, yeah. So that's like for me the showcase so, of the ref bump. You know, I love that. You mentioned the, the ref bump. I've mentioned this before, and I don't think I, I, I forget what episode it was, but you didn't know what I was talking about. You know the bump that Nick Patrick takes all the time when he gets punched. When he, when he kind of like flops his body into this random shape and yeah. flies back and throws his arms out. It's so genius. Why doesn't every ref do it? <laughs> it's like a flailing fish. I love it. Other famous ref bumps. The fatal one at WrestleMania 17, Triple H and The Undertaker. Where they, yeah, yeah. For like half an hour or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I also think of tragically the Tim White one at Hell in a Cell 2003. <laughs> it's the way that it's he the one, gets... That's not wise. He, that's not why. So, do, you remember, do you remember that? You no, know, like that—that's so distasteful. Those vignettes, but there, there yeah. was the one—the one that I loved, and it's terrible. But the one that I loved <laughs> was at WrestleMania 22 weekend when Bret Hart was going in the Hall of Fame, and Tim Tim White had a a pink and black sign that said Hitman and pointed down, and Josh Matthews was like, "Oh, oh, Mister Mister White, are you a Hitman Hart fan? He's going in the Hall of Fame this year." And then he holds it up, and then you just see the red light going on his head for a sniper. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mike, that's not one. Was he, yeah, my favorite one was when he jumped into the fan, like the like the air oh conditioner God, fan, yeah. and just all oh, this blood just goes. <laughs> Josh Matthews. It was that cartoon thing of well, he'll be back next week, you know. Yeah, I know. so bad, but some so really memorable. dark ones as well. Oh, God. I know. Mr. White, that's not wise. Um, so yeah, so with the with the ref bumps, uh, there was there was more that I had in my mind going into this, but when it happens, you know, so many people groan at a ref bump now. I love a good ref bump. I love how frail they are. I love how they just yeah, like the tiniest thing and they are down and they are gone. And the thing is, if you're going to get nitpicky about it, then maybe you just shouldn't be watching wrestling because it's a pantomime. Yep. That's what it is. And we love it for that. And I know sure, you want like, to see uh, the belief, but bloody hell, it's just, I love I a know. good ref bump. I like Sean super kicking Charles Robinson at Royal Rumble 2010. 
when mm. he gets eliminated and he super and and Charles just does this big flop back. Charles Robinson as an unsung hero, not only in the referee business, but just as a as a wrestling personality. I think of him absolutely sprinting down to the ring at funnily enough, WrestleMania twenty four. Um you know when when you know what I mean when Taker is yeah. in the pin and uh. Charles sprints down. Uh, and then it was he posted on Twitter after that payback bump that folk were sending him tweets about his performance, saying, "Charles, you made it look so stupid, and Charles, you ruined the sport and stuff." Yeah, but they're and okay Charles, with the like, they're okay with the demon man that has his own children's show. Yeah, and 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 Charles put out this tweet saying, "I'm really sorry. I'm really disgraced by my own performance, and I'll never do it again. And I'm really sorry. I've disgraced my family and stuff." As if he's he's taking it pure to heart, and I'm like, "Oh, come on, Tiff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Charles Robinson." What a lovely man! Do you know loves I the love, business. I tell you what about Charles Robinson. I, I like. I have so much time for him, and I, 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 um, I, uh, I, uh, I re- rebellion two thousand and one. Uh, that show I was at when I was ten. Were you there? Right? Yeah, WWF Rebellion two thousand one Manchester Eve News Arena Saturday the third of November two thousand and one. Um, Which we should have been watching today, by the way. We should have been, but then there was a localized lockdown, folks. That behind the scenes, folks, Chris and I were supposed to do our first. I was supposed to see Chris in the flesh today for the first time in like six months. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's a localized lockdown. I live in Glasgow City, so I can't go to Chris's house, nor could I have him around. Uh, in the future, folks, stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, but at that show, and I'll 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 save a lot of these stories for whenever we do this. But uh, before the show started, the the dark match was uh, Billy Gunn, Chuck Palumbo versus Lance Storm and Justin Incredible. Charles Robinson was the referee because uh, I just remember him walking down before the show started, walking down the the ramp and getting into the ring, and we booed him out of the building because he was an alliance referee. We booed him. And it was only a few months later that like, I read in WWF magazine, he wrote a column to his his late wife who'd passed away really tragically, really young. Um, Oh, no, I didn't know that. And it must have happened not long before that show. Or around the same time, I might be getting my details missed, so I, I I apologize if I'm mixing up the dates. But I just remember reading that article and feeling guilty that I had booed him at Manchester because he'd gone for this real life challenge <laughs> right. today. But then I'm realizing that I'm actually paying him the highest compliment because he's a heel referee, so he wants to be booed, you know. Um, but that was just me as a as a kid, kind of not really separating reality from real life. But yeah, Charles Robinson is, um, you know, because he went through that bereavement, he's he's done quite a lot of charitable stuff. So like his um his 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 legendary status doesn't just stop with being a referee it's he's a legendary human being and i think if you were to speak to people who know him like who have worked with him like you hear people on podcasts talk about him and you get the sense that he's well loved well liked and well respected and you know it's a shame that we've we've lost from wwe mike kyoda and although it's great to see him in aw you just hope that they don't let go of charles robinson because you do sometimes get the sense they don't know what they've got with these experienced guys you know you understand why they got rid of hebner but yeah. for them to get rid of Kyoto, they I just think if, if they if they cut Charles Robinson, then they're cutting a huge asset, you know. How can you sack Mike Kyoto? Do you know what I mean? What <sighs> mental. I mean he's not even signed with AEW, but like I hope he, he does and he signs with someone because he's far too valuable as an asset to the company. Yeah, because not be I, used in some capacity. I want one more Kyoto ref bump yeah, before he hangs it up. Also, where's yeah. Nick Patrick nowadays? Like, is he? No. Because the last memory I have of him was WrestleMania 20. Did he stop after that? He, um, he, no, no, he still, he still went on to about 2007. He was doing SmackDown refereeing. Right, okay. Um, I don't know where he is now, no. Really? He was never my favourite ref. He, he kind of annoyed me a wee bit. Like, he was well, he was evil. Deep voice. I know, but just in general, I just didn't like the way he counted the pin and stuff. It's funny because you um, mentioned uh, Drew McIntyre and Teddy Long earlier. I love Teddy Long as a referee. Wow! Two! <laughs> Yeah. That was, and then Jr. would always go. That was a long count. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Um, let's round off then with uh, some memories of special guest referees. Any any fond memories of someone being in a special guest rep position? Well, we mentioned Foley, and uh, I used to love when he would come back to do that kind of thing. I used to, and WrestleMania seventeen. You know, we we had this. Uh, you know, we had Kate's reactions to that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I loved his involvement. Um, I think for me as a, a fan, one of the most memorable ones is End of an Era, WrestleMania 28. Good show. Uh, yeah, that's probably with, the best. That's probably the one where like the ref was the most valuable to the story, for sure. Yeah, in terms of storytelling, absolutely fine. 
Um, there's probably loads more specific kind of memories that I could talk about, but I just want to throw in the fact that I missed the special referee mode in WWE video games because oh, yeah. <laughs> if you had like two or three mates round and two of you were wrestlers and one of you was a referee and you could always like screw over somebody and you, you could do a screw job or something like, you know, that was always fun. Like to, when you're amongst your pals to yeah. know, call it in the line or to be like an absolute scumbag of a referee. Uh, what about you though? What comes to mind when you think of uh, referees and, and guest referees particularly? Well, uh, right at the front of my mind is SummerSlam because remember we did that watch along, not watch along, that uh, main event recap on episodes 18 and 19 of the Wrestling Connection. That's right. Right yeah. before SummerSlam 2020. Um, and we and we did all the main events of SummerSlam and we realized that SummerSlam has a recurring theme that SummerSlam loves special guest refs. Yep. Just randomly, there was, there was a special guest referee every third pay per view or something. Triple H yep. was the special guest ref or whoever else, you know. Um, and that's cool. So I guess I, I like what I like about special guest referees is seeing how they adapted to it, right? Yeah. And seeing how each individual special guest would make the counts and would do the calls. And what I would really look out for is how they would pass information to the others. Because you see yeah. folk like Charles and, and Kyoto and stuff who are, you know, pros at this and they know what they're doing. Like actually, when Kyoto was refereeing the Cody Rhodes and Scorpio Sky match on Dynamite a few weeks ago, I was watching them the full time. I actually watched the match numerous times. I loved the match so much. It might have been my favourite TNT Open Challenge match, along with maybe the Eddie Kingston one, but um, yeah. the, the Scorpio's guy one was really good. And I liked I, I, one of the rewatches that I watched it as, as I watched Kyoto the whole time. And just seeing him work was just, was just really interesting. Seeing him in a new setting with obviously new ways of doing things. You know, it's not Vince in his ear or the agent in his ear. It'll be whoever, Tony Khan or Dean Malenko or whoever's doing the time codes in AEW, speaking to him, giving him time cues and stuff. And you can see Kyoto telling Cody and stuff, 30 seconds till we back from break and all that sort of stuff. And he's giving the information. I find all that stuff really fascinating. And it's, it's just the performer in me looking at like behind the scenes and behind the curtain of like how it all kind of works. That's always been the fascinating part of wrestling to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So seeing... Kyoto do that and seeing a special guest referees deal with that always you know um interests me i always liked how it became like mick foley's thing like if you need a special guest ref that's a wrestler mick foley will do it you know he came back for um the the hell in a cell between kevin ash and triple h in 2003 at bad blood and it was just like and i think it was errol hebner came into the the vince's office like oh because of tim white last year none of us are going to referee get your own ref So it's just called Mick Foley, you know what I mean? Like, because Mick right. Foley's the, the designated celebrity ref. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a bunch of good ones. Mick Foley stands out though, um, and and I hope that someone picks up Kyoto because he deserves to be in some form of television wrestling show so. somewhere in the world. But do you yeah. know what's mad is the it's the fact that they asked Brett to referee Rock and Hogan. Could you imagine if that had happened and what that would have added to the match and how that would have maybe changed the fan reaction? Would we have had a hard chance? What significance is that? Do you know what I mean? What significance does Bray have to Rock or Hogan? This is it. I think they would just do it for the sake of the star power. You know, in my opinion, if you're going to, if Bray had been willing to be a part of that show, which of course we know he wasn't at that time, I would make him referee um, Triple H and Jericho. There's more of a story there, you know, like because he has this heat with Triple H anyway. Um, so like put him on that, but that yeah, he that that's they wanted him to referee Rock and Hogan as if that match needed it, like, any more star power, you know. I was just gonna say, if they, I think if they if they'd uh, if Brett had been wanting to willing to do the show, if they put him on at the main event with Triple H and Jericho, that would have maybe helped that match not feel like such an afterthought to the Rock and Hogan yeah. show. Do you remember WrestleMania 22 when it was the night after he was inducted into the Hall of Fame? Yeah. And Howard Finkel like announced he was like, Bret Hart did not feel comfortable attending. Like, why did he say that? Why didn't he just like say he wasn't going to be there? I didn't even need yeah. mention, I guess, but um, he said he didn't feel comfortable attending. Like, what's that supposed to mean? You know? It's it's just weird. Like Brett would say in interviews, I remember reading this in Purslam at the time that he you know, he would do the Hall of Fame, he would do interviews, he would do DVDs, but it was the thought of walking out in front of a WWF or a WWE crowd again. That really was a big source of anxiety for him. And it would, yeah. you, know, it, you know, as we now know, it would take until 2010 before he felt comfortable with that again. But it, I've always wondered about that. I've always wondered, like, you know, what would have happened if Brett could have wrestled, you know, if he hadn't had that kick from Goldberg or if he'd yeah. come back sooner and done a non-wrestling thing, you know? 
But oh, see if he just came like if if that kick from Goldberg never happened at Starcade '99 or whatever it was. Can you imagine Brett and like on Raw in 2002? Yeah. Oh my God, it would have been amazing. Because we see this a lot nowadays that a lot of these guys in their 40s and by 2002, yeah. Brett would have been like 44, 45. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, because I've, I've always maintained that I think Brett's best year in wrestling ever was 97, like when he was a heel, yeah. when he was 40 years old. Uh, and because I don't really, I don't know much about his WCW run, but I don't think it's fondly remembered really compared to all of his other stuff. Yeah, there's, um, there's some good matches here and there, but it's never, it's definitely not, you know, exactly. uh, you can't put it, you can't even make a top 10 really, but there's some good ones in there. He has a good match against Ben Wan, there's a good one against um, DDP and Booker T and that sort of thing. But in terms of really memorable stuff, there's, there's nothing really there. Well, this is it. And so I just, just think that you know, if he had been able to do some stuff in Ruthless Aggression, like the, the matches he could have had with the young guys, like you're seen as your Orange, your Mysterios, but also, like, you know, uh, uh, yeah, oh God, absolutely. But even like, uh, we could have seen Bret Hart versus Kurt Angle. Drooling oh, at that oh. point, you know? And, and uh, Angle in 2002. You know what I mean? Exactly, a 2002 angle. But also to see Bret Hart and, and The Rock in his prime, or Bret Hart yep. and Triple H when he's fully the game. Um, and Austin. And, and yeah, exactly, a rematch. Like, you know, and, yep. and and maybe, just maybe, there could have been some reconciliation with Shawn Michaels. Maybe we could have finally got a, re- a proper rematch from the Iron Man disappointment, not the screw job kind of business. But yeah. yeah, it's a it's one of those big what ifs in in WWF history. What were we talking about again? Ref bumps was that it? <laughs> ref bumps, and then we got into Brett. Yeah, that's fine though. Well, there's another one. Brett was a special guest ref. Oh no, I'm thinking of Sean at SummerSlam '97 when Sean screws over Brett and Taker. That's yeah. a great one as well. You know, hey, here's Shawn Michaels in those shorts. By the way, when was it? Oh, what's that about? That was the first ever SmackDown against it was uh, Rock and Triple H. Remember when he super kicks Rock? That's the right. That's right. That's the closest we ever got to Sean versus The Rock. Yeah, I know. That would have been a great one as well. Oh my God, what if? What if? That's uh, that's one of the biggest things in wrestling. We like to sit here on armchair quarterback and book what ifs and dream matches and that sort of thing. But you can do that in WWE 2K. <laughs> Fantasy Warfare, come to life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go, ladies and gents. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. This was a nice sort of um, easy going episode that we uh, didn't really plan for, which is always nice. And always much more relaxing. So, um, yeah, anything you'd like to say to the listeners before we sign off for episode 24? No, just a, a genuine thanks to anyone who takes the time to listen and to download. And if you ever want to get in touch and contact us on our socials, let us know. We genuinely appreciate any feedback, uh, good or bad. If you want to contact us, leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast provider. Uh, like We appreciate it all. And... Uh, I think for us, this is a labor of love for us. We we enjoy doing this, and then we do this primarily because it's something we can look forward to. But the yeah. fact that anyone, even even a small number of people, might listen to this and enjoy it means a lot to us. So let us know what you think. Please do get in touch with us, and and a big thank you. Absolutely. Um, and if you are a podcast out there that you'd like to get in touch and we could be work together, it's really nice to kind of chat to some other podcasts out there. The Dear Diary Keep Out podcast reached out. We had a lovely wee chat as well. The yeah. Feckin' Check-In podcast was great, uh, which is probably my, fa- my favourite. I was going to say <laughs> I was gonna say the exact same thing. One of my favourite names of a podcast ever. Um, we had a lovely chat on, on Twitter as well. So if you're out there, you might want to work together, get some new listeners, work with us. Um, we would love that we're, we're all about connecting people that's why we are called the wrestling connection if we can connect with you in some way about wrestling then we're all for it um, but if not if you just want to listen and download or even just share your podcast with us we're up for that as well we're always up I can speak on, on behalf of Glenn we're both big podcast fans so yes, we're always absolutely. happy to check out some new stuff so um, right. yes you can get us on, on Twitter and Instagram Twitter is at WrestleConnect1 please follow us on there uh, I always always use that quite a lot in terms of tweeting about wrestling itself, current stuff as well. I like to reply to a lot of people's stuff and get some conversations going um, so you can find out some of our current thoughts on Twitter. That's at WrestleConnect1. And we're always posting updates, uh, posting pictures of the things we're talking about here on the show on Instagram, which is at WrestleConnection. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube just by searching the Wrestling Connection podcast for exclusive videos, reviews of modern pay-per-views, exclusive excerpts from the episodes, and uh, full episodes as well on YouTube if you're a podcast listener on the YouTube platform. But until next time, ladies and gents, this has been the Wrestling Connection episode number 24, and we hope you have a very lovely week. Tune back in next Sunday. 